Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Good afternoon, everybody, and happy 2022. It's crazy. We are finally in a new year. I think everybody is very happy to be in this brand new year and, you know, make their resolutions, make their goals. I'm not a huge resolution person, but I'm a good goal person. And, you know, trying to be realistic about the challenges we have ahead and um, wishing you all a happy and healthy and joyous new year. And thank you always for joining me. And I hope that I am enlightening your life along with my guests, because we are here to educate, empower, ignite, and inspire you to live a fearlessly authentic life. And before we get started, I wanted to remind you all that next Monday, January 10th, from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am hosting a mindset summit. It is called the Fierce and Fearless Mindset Summit. It is a virtual event, and I am joined by four industry experts that will help you with the tools that you need to really, really reach your goals. Because sometimes we set very lofty goals for ourselves, and we don't meet them, and then we get sad and feel down, and then we we say, screw it, we're not going to do them. And I don't want anybody to feel that way. I want us to really have realistic but challenging goals. So go to my website, jodyfit, J-O-D-I-F-I-T.com. And there's a link on there to join us for next Monday, January 10th for the Fierce and Fearless Mindset Summit, because I want you to have the best year ever. And here we go with the show, my beautiful, stunning, smart guest, Jess Hughes, thank you so much for joining me today on Fearlessly Authentic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to start this. Me too. And I want to share with the listeners a little bit about Jess so you know who I'm talking about. And then you can start following her on Instagram at Jess Hughes Fine Art. That's Jessica, Jessica. Jessica Hughes Fine Art. Okay, there you go. So Jess is an award-winning artist art business coach, and single mom of, here we go, seven. Yes, my jaw dropped to that too. Jess believes art is accessible to everyone as a powerful tool for healing, stress relief, and self-discovery. As CEO of Jessica Hughes Media and Fine Art, she leads multiple arms of the brand to both promote her own paintings, as well as offering online programs to creative entrepreneurs looking for the mindset and skill set to be unstoppable. Jess is also the co-author of international best-selling She Did It and So Can You. I love that. We need to talk about that today yeah. a lot. A chronicling her steps and strategies to rapid success. Jess has overcome the dark days of addiction and dra- trauma to courageously change everything, embrace joy, and never look back. Her purpose is clear to uplift and empower others in everything she creates. Her writing, painting, speaking, and coaching is a living example that incredible joy and success can exist on the other side of adversity. 
Jess's drive and passion to empower others has rapidly grown her fourth company to over six figures in just one year. She has been featured in Forbes, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and more. Welcome again, Jess, to the show. Really. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to get to talk to you today. Yeah. You know, um, Jess and I met each other a while ago and had like a two hour conversation when we first met on the phone. And after I heard her story and heard about how courageous she's been, what she's doing to help others so they don't have to go through what she went through. I said, you are so fearlessly authentic. I need to have you on my show so you can share your story. So I want to start back when, you know, just a child growing up, you had a nice childhood. um, But like so many entrepreneurs that want to make a difference in somebody's life because something happened in their life, um, you were sort of a a people pleaser. You wanted to do everything right. Um, You know, you, you were an overachiever. Tell me a little bit about that, about that personality and what you think led to having that type of personality growing up. Absolutely. I had really great supportive parents and they really encouraged my love for the arts and creative expression. And so I didn't have to bump up against that. You know, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer, that stigma around artists not being able to be successful. Um, they just wanted me to follow my passion. And I feel like I, that was the grounding and foundation that enabled me to come back to that base after taking a lot of detours into a lot of trauma and adversity over the course of the next three decades, really, two and a half decades. So, um, you know, I am a big believer that mistakes are not bad. They are learning and growing experiences, and I really had to push the envelope for (laughs) how much I needed to grow over the course of my life. Right, because growing up, things were like, came came pretty easy to you. You were a great student and an amazing athlete. You became a Division I rower at Wisconsin, and you know, everything seemed, did you feel like everything was on, on, on pace to where you wanted it to go? Like, let's just say from high school on, were you, even though you were an overachiever, you were fine with being an overachiever. Like you probably didn't know how to be anything else. I was very shy and quiet about my achievements. I I had this love hate with the spotlight. I felt like my self-worth was kind of tied up in, in how I looked externally. So I did do a lot of that people pleasing. Um, but that was kind of balanced out. And I, I'm very authentic and true these days. My life changed dramatically four years ago. And so I'm going to go right into Let's go. kind of the core of what happened when yeah. my whole world kind of splintered off in two different directions. Um, and it was two weeks before I went away to college that I was raped. And that was my first experience um, with sex. And the verbal abuse that went on left the damage and the scars. And I went off to college two weeks later and I suppressed it. I swept it under the rug. And I think for so many of us who've been through, you know, those kinds of experience, I don't know many women who haven't. Um, For me, I was so ashamed and I really turned inwards. And from that point on, I kind of split into this dual life, you know, this externally um, 
I, I had to prove my worth to anybody and anybody that would give validation. And internally, it really planted the seeds for, you know, a long, insidious, slow drip battle with substance abuse addiction and also an eating disorder and mental health issues that were pretty extreme. Um, but did you I have would, any sub, like, did you tell your parents you, you, you suppressed it? You did not tell anybody because you I, felt ashamed. I did. My mom, um, is a counselor and she's really tuned in to me and she knew something was off, um, and really pushed me to go talk to the therapy. You know, I was 10 hours away from home and she just said, go get help. Um, and I went once and just felt like, nope, that's not for that's me. It. Right. I, I just, right. I'm going to make this go away. I'm going to sweep it under the rug, pretend like it never happened. And that's really how I discovered rowing. I, I feel like I needed that outlet, um, especially something that was about being physically powerful. And I was such an artsy, you know, I was double majoring in art and music. And for me to walk on to, to a rowing team my freshman year in college was a big deal. And I took it to the extreme, um, like I do so much. And it really became, I don't think I realized at the time, but became a mask for me to be so physically powerful that that something like that couldn't happen to me ever again. And it also, you know, I fell in love with the sport. I transferred to Wisconsin. I had Olympic dreams, but I took it to the extreme. I was training six hours a day. And you know, it, my self-worth was so tied up in my status on the team and my rankings nationally. And, you know, when you're so tied into achievements like that, um, any kind of loss, like I was not a great loser. And to me, coming in second place was losing. It was really hard on myself. And I tanked my junior year after an event. And... um well, it's, it's so hard. And, you know, I've been there myself, not exactly in the same situation, but being a people pleaser. And I, I think so many people who are listening can understand that you're just striving for excellence so much that you go 110% in. I've heard people say, well, there's no such thing as 110% in, but I'm being extreme when I'm saying that. And we do, we do it because maybe subconsciously we want to lose ourselves in the thing that we're throwing ourselves into to hide or mask a feeling Absolutely. and to feel, as you mentioned, you became physically strong from being arts in the arts where you don't really think of somebody being strong physically, right? right? Um, into the physicality where you said, okay, well, if I get this strong, nobody is ever going to be able, I'm going to be like Teflon. Right. Nobody will ever be able to touch me ever, ever, ever. And, and I could completely understand that coming from some abuse myself in my marriage, verbal abuse, you just, you do whatever you can. And that's what I found that I was the most intense in the gym, five days a week, three hours, every single day, five days a week was home with my kids and my ex-husband at the time um, on the weekends because you were with the family, you know? Um, so, but you did take that to extreme and you said you tanked out your junior year because were you exhausted? Had you, what, what happened to you then? 
I think I had set the bar so high for myself and I, it was a big, it, I was at a big 10 school. It was a big 10 event. I came in second place and, and I just, it took me back to that night and I started having flashbacks of what happened when I was 18, that rape. And I started spinning. I just, my self-worth, it's like I had that view and the self-loathing and self-hatred and you know, distortion of my body and all of it just flared up. And I ended up dropping out of college that year. I was planning to just take a year off to recover. And, um, you know, I, I just found other ways to numb out because like you said, it all comes down to the feeling. And I think now I realize all of us just want to feel good. You know, if you simplify it down to that very, core thing. You just want to feel good or you just want to feel better. And for me, rowing was relief from pain, even though I didn't recognize it as that. And and it's actually, that was, that was probably a very good outlet for you if you hadn't taken it to extreme matters. Right. And, and that's a hard thing where we talk about balance, joy, fulfillment, um, feeling, because we want to feel, and we, we were talking earlier about, it's not, necessarily what people say to you when you're chatting with them, but it's when you get off the phone or you get off this, this interview and you go, wow, Jody made me feel really good in that interview. Um, not that you need validation or anything. And like you, I do not like to lose. <laughs> I do not like to lose. It takes me a very long time to over, to get over it. I do not like to come in second place. Um, but you know, it happens and we have to find the good in it. And I think that's what life is all about is teaching us those things. But at such a young age, and you know, college is a young age. We are young adults, but we haven't lived very much, especially if we lived sort of in a cocoon life, right? Not saying that, you know, you were enabled or anything, but just we're, we're, we're not fully expressive humans. That's what part of going to college or having that experience, whether it's community college or wherever, but to have those life experiences where we can figure out who the heck we are. And sometimes we do, we do, we, we take it to extreme and then we say, we got to bring it back, but it wasn't that easy because you, you went to something else that numbed you. Right. And I am so sensitive. I mean, I always was feeling like too much. My emotions were too big. You know, Mm. I was too hurt. growing there, I could have that Teflon outside and, and this, nobody could really see that I felt like a fraud on the inside, that I was so sensitive that I didn't have the guts to speak my truth or live my truth. And so, you know, over the course of the next two decades, really it, the eating disorder, the substance abuse, A lot of people hit rock bottom quickly. It took me 25 years. Um, What do you think that? Right. I mean, I know your story. So what do you think? What do you think happened? You know, I I described your your life sort of as a roller coaster. And you're absolutely right. It takes like maybe five, seven years. And then someone hits rock bottom. They start working themselves up. But tell us a little bit about what happened. So, you know, you, you got you dropped out of school and then. And then tell me what happened then. Right. I went back to my art. I started generating a lot of paintings. Um, I started showing in galleries. I started babysitting and found out I love children. And 
and loved teaching. And I ended up starting a little private art school and settling into Madison, Wisconsin and feeling like, okay, I still felt like I was living that double, double life, partying at night and being the Pied Piper teaching everybody in the daytime. Um, but how I did felt that make like you, I was how did, But how did that make you feel when you were living that double life? Okay. Like pure school teacher-ish artwork, let's have fun. Right. And then at night, like, did that keep you up at night? I, that's why I numbed out, you know, I think that's the through line of, of all of it, whether it was my marriage, whether it was the sexual abuse, whether it was the numbing out, like there was such a split in my identity that I couldn't reconcile the pain of, of being like, I am a whimsical kind of a, a dreamer. I am positive, you know, I still have that optimistic outlook and the reality of of the pain of the world, watching what would happen to people, it just, it was too much. And, um, but I, I didn't want anyone to see that. I, I couldn't let anybody in to help. And I think that was a big part of what took so long is that, you know, I am strong. I am driven. And I feel like I, you know, just drove myself so hard to cover up the inside. I didn't want anyone to see the disordered eating or any of the problems that were going on. So when so did I'm you decide when did you decide that I wanted I want to be authentically me. I want to stop hiding. It took you 20 years, right? 25 right. years to finally get to the point after seven children, right? right. After a marriage that didn't work. Right. I had um, twins, boy-girl twins as my first surprise, and I ended up getting married, not to the father. He adopted them, and we ended up having five more children. So I gave birth to seven kids in the span of under 10 years. So they were really, really close together. And my marriage was about 17 years, and it was just a a mismatch in in values, in beliefs, in all of it. And I found myself really suppressing everything I believed in, um, you know, shifting all my opinions to what he believed in, whether I agreed or not. And it became this dance of control and fear and anxiety and a lot of, you know, verbal and emotional abuse that went on behind the scenes. Um, which I think drove so many, me, so many women yeah. can relate to that, myself included. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and knowing you the way I know you, I mean, you are like this, I wish everybody could see right now. She <laughs> is like this little, not little because you're very tall. When I met you, what are you? Five, 10, five, eight, five, ten. Five, ten. Yeah. And I'm not even five, one. And that was the first thing I said when I met you, but you do have this very angelic, um, um, appearance you know, very soft and sweet. So I can't picture you in any of those darker places that you've described because you are a lovely person. You speak very softly, uh, strong, strong, but softly, assertive, not aggressive. Um, And so I think that there are so many women out there um, of every age, because you and I are about 20 years apart Mm -hmm. and so whether you're in your 60s or 40s or 30s or wherever, if you don't, 
and you find yourself in these situations where you fear saying something that your significant other may slam you for, maybe physically and verbally. And it becomes a very, very scary place where you suddenly feel powerless. And it's almost like being like a mouse trapped and you just don't know how to get out. And you had seven children. I did. And I still do. (laughs) I still do. And I, you know, because of that, I became pretty isolated. Um, People stop inviting you over for dinner after about three kids. And after four kids, any kind of seat of the pants living was gone. I had to plan everything. And, you know, he had very high standards for just all of my perfectionist OCD tendencies that, that I've resolved now. I don't live like that anymore. I don't beat myself over the head like that anymore. All of them came out because I just wanted someone to say I was doing a good job when I was so tired and so just strung out from the magnitude of, of what that was like. Um, And I was married to someone who was emotionally unavailable. And I think that was the hardest part was not being able to connect to someone um, who saw the other side, you know, saw what it was like and, and was living that too. Um, And I take responsibility too. We were, not able to connect with each other. And it's hard to raise a family that big when, when you don't understand each other at the, at the basic level and uh, all of the creativity that I wanted to express and my dreams for a career and all of that stuff. I tried, um, but it would eventually get to be too, too big a split. You know, I, I was not superhuman, even though I tried to be. Um, well, did you, you know, that I'm curious about that, what you said, when you're in a relationship that with somebody who is an emo- emotionally unavailable to you, and I myself have also been in a relationship like that, do you find that your creativity is, is just not there? Because yeah. you can't think out loud. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely does. And I think it came out of wanting to be approved of so badly mm. um, that I was stifling everything. I was turning myself inside out just to get a good job, you know, good job raising these kids. I know it's hard or just, and I, you know, it just was, it made it very hard. And, and I would really towards the end of my marriage, those last five years, I, I stopped painting, I stopped creating, um, and became very isolated from that that point forward. And your family probably, were, they were probably wondering, like, what's going on? This isn't who we know, right? Around 2012, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and he was very close. They lived right around the corner from us and very involved in our kids' lives. And he was he was the one safe man I knew in my world ever and my cheerleader. And when, when he got sick like that, um, that was one of the hardest things I've been through. Um, he was 40 years sober when he died, he was an alcoholic and just an inspiration to me. Um, so when he died in 2015, that's really when I went off the rails. Um, I was trying to cope with my children's grief, you know, to midwife them through that. Yes. And I turned to more and more pills and more and more pills and 
days and days and weeks in bed and thinking like I was dying, you know, it just, the grief, the, all of it. Um, and the shame, I was so ashamed of what I was doing behind. That is something that so many of us deal with, whether it's divorce, it's drugs, it's eating disorder, it's weight gain, weight loss, jobs, no jobs, the shame that we I think we put on ourselves. I mean, we may hear it from other people, but I think living in our truth is is ignoring those words, those those people who are shaming us because it's really has a negative effect on us and it's not serving us to be friends with them right. or have them in our life and I think as we develop and mature and do the work on ourselves, we realize that we don't need to have them. We don't need to please those people anymore, right? That's when we stop being the people pleaser. And then we can say goodbye to all those people that make us feel that way. And a lot of people say, well, I can't make you feel a way that you already don't feel about yourself. But it doesn't help to bring those negative people around you. Once you get rid of them, then you could start working positively on yourself and bring in the cheerleaders, right? Yeah, absolutely. Having strong boundaries now and being really clear about what does not serve me. Um, You know, I'm ruthless now about who I allow in. Um, It's either a hell yes or a hell no, because I'm not going to ever go to that length of self-destruction to try and live out of alignment with who I am and who I was born to be. So when we stop caring what people think, that's truly the beginning of freedom. Um, And I just tell my story so that someone else doesn't have to go to the lengths. I almost died at the end um, of a drug overdose. And, you know, I don't want anyone to ever go that far um, to get free. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all this. I know that probably every time you tell this story, you feel another feeling um, and you get stronger and stronger. You've been four years sober, right? Almost four years. Almost four years. The end of this month, right? Yes. Congratulations. That's amazing. And I know, I know that everything that you're saying today, and we are going to get into more after the break, um, what you're doing now to help others so they don't have to go through this. So thank you. Um, We will be back in a few minutes. We're going to take a short break and we will be back with Just Hughes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, 
following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Welcome back, everybody, to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm here with Jess Hughes. And Jess, you know, we were talking about the pain, the trauma, the abuse, the eating disorders, everything that you went through that brought you to rock bottom. 25 years of this roller coaster ride, seven children, 17, 17 years of marriage. And with that pain, that rock bottom feeling, and I've been there myself, you still, you have gratitude for that pain. Can you, can you explain that gratitude you have? Absolutely. Um, we can't go back and change the past. And when I finally realized, because the end, the rainbow on the other side, the gold on the other side of this story is that I have reached a place of complete self-love and empowerment and courage. And um, I don't care what people think anymore because it allows me to speak my truth. But I, I didn't get here without a lot of hard internal work. And when I realized that everything I had been through, it needed to be that painful because it's only when the pain is great enough that people change. And for me, I was stubborn and I had to, it had to be that painful for me. And had it been any less painful, I'd still be back there using, I'd still be back there in a marriage that, that wasn't right for me. Um, And so I'm grateful for all that has happened. And that gratitude has allowed me to forgive myself. And that self-forgiveness was the key to starting to peel back the layers and dissolve all of the layers of people-pleasing and, you know, the illusion 
of, of somebody that I really wasn't to get to who I was really born to be and what I meant to do and the people I meant to serve on this earth while I'm here. Isn't it nice to love yourself again? It, it is. It is. I, I, uh, I don't think I have a six year old girl, maybe it, yeah. uh, it's yeah. amazing. It's to me, you know, that, that self-love that I, I hear that, um, you have for yourself is just so beautiful. And so many of us go through that pain and numb it like you did, or they really want to feel it. And now I feel you want to feel everything, but now you're feeling joy. But if there is some pain, if there is some anxiety or angst or whatever it may be that doesn't feel comfortable with you, you don't go to drugs anymore. What do you do that helps you stay well? Right. Um, In the beginning, you know, surrounding myself with people in recovery as well, that was a big part of the healing journey for me. But I really needed to explore every modality possible, 12-step programs, um, therapy, trauma therapy. Um, I had to go to an eating disorder treatment for a month to get better. I was in rehab for a month. I started working out again. But I really, what really brought me back home was the ability to express myself creatively again. And I started fusing together free stream of consciousness journaling and painting over it. And I began putting, you know, life doesn't stop happening just because you get into recovery. It just doesn't. I had a very tumultuous separation and divorce. It was a nightmare. And I started turning to canvas and instead of creating artwork for other people to say, oh, good job. That's really nice. I'd I'd like to buy that. I I just started pouring everything on the canvas and not caring if if it sold, not caring if it was somebody's style. It just was this incredible, you know, outlet of writing and painting and just expressing all of it. And that has really provided the relief Um, to when things get really unstable or anxious with COVID happening, that's when I really, really started, um, pouring it all on the canvas, uh, because that got so scary. It was, it's, it still is sort of a scary time, but you were talking about the journaling and I've been a sporadic journaler for maybe 15 years. And it's something I've always coached my clients to do, Mm -hmm. um, for eating and exercise and just writing down how they feel when they do it. Yeah. I wasn't doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Isn't that always how it is? And, but lately I've been more diligent about it, Uh, but the free mind journaling rather than being prompted by something is something a lot of people are doing lately, but you do something super creative with it. You journal, tell everybody what you do. You journal and yeah. Um, So this is an example. There's writing on here. I will do three full pages. And this started from reading The Artist's Way, which is, I think, a 20, 25-year-old book. Um, And she talks about morning pages, which is three pages of stream of consciousness writing. You start at the top. If you don't know what to write, you say, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write until something catches. And it's not meant to be reread. Um, it's literally, you know, I've gotten to the point where I don't even put spaces between the words. I don't cross T's or I's or care about the spelling. It just is this 
nonstop, never letting the pen stop. Okay. How do you do that? Being a perfectionist, being like the person you are. It was too costly. You know, if I had continued on the path of trying to control everything, control my environment, control the food, control, like it would have led directly back to a relapse. And I knew that. Um, And I've had, I had a lot of close calls in the beginning when I filed for divorce and changed my entire life and started over renting a house after, you know, all that time being married, um, co-parenting, 50-50 custody, all of those things. Been there. Yep. Got it. I totally understand. Yeah. So it was either start allowing a whole lot of imperfection and messy action towards the light and the good and the beautiful. I have four daughters and three sons. And I, I realized with so much clarity that if I didn't start working through some of these demons, the people pleasing, the, you know, saying yes, when I meant no, agreeing to do things that I really didn't want to do. Um, even benign things like going to get coffee with someone who just wants to criticize someone else the entire time. I, I don't allow any of that anymore because I end up paying the price. And I found really the best way for me to serve others, to serve my children, to serve my communities that I help is to be the best, most authentic, truest version of me I can possibly be. And to do that means diligent, intentional self-care wellness practices and painting and journaling I went really down a rabbit hole on on the journaling, but my journaling is really, it's like food and water every day. And then the painting on top of it, um, I often do that when I feel like I need to express something verbally and I need a safe place. So I paint all over it and and the words are expressed, but they're covered over. Um, I I absolutely love, love that idea that you could journal, write anything that you want, you know, no I's dotted, no T's crossed. And I've just, I've tried the stream of consciousness journaling and it is very, very freeing. The only thing is my hand starts to hurt after a while because I'm writing so much. I don't know. My hand just always hurts. And and then painting over it because you don't need to go back and reread it. Right. You already right. you expressed it. And it's almost like, you know, my mom passed away last week, as you know, and I, I was holding so much in and I woke up this morning feeling like I expressed so like, I just felt like I was in a different body today. Yeah. And I think that's, that goes with the journaling that goes with the talking, speaking to cousins and so on. We all, one of the things that you talk about in your coaching is expressing yourself without words, right? Right. And that's through art, but explain how else you help others express without words. Well, I really, the through line of my entire life and all the businesses I've started creatively and just even friends and raising my children without realizing it, I create these safe havens for people to come in and take creative risks, you know, whether they're artists or non-artists. And I believe art is accessible to everybody, that we're inherently creative. And when we stifle that and suppress it, you know, we pay the price. And for some of it, 
us, it, it can be more extreme, but creative expression is critical for, for health. I really passionately believe that because, you know, for me, there's, there's no numbing out. You know, I can end up scrolling really easily on social media for hours right. and hours and right. hours. Um, but it's, painting is a way to non-verbally take those feelings. You know, when you can't articulate exactly what grief is, to be able to squirt paint tubes onto a paper and put your fingertips in that or scrape through with your fingernails or, you know, finger painting like a three-year-old is one of the most freeing things that an adult can do. And anybody can do that. When you, you know, put yourself in an atmosphere where there's no right or wrong way to create, there's no judgment. This is just expression and play and the tactile nature of your hands on the paper or in the paint. It's all of those kind of childlike feelings, restorative feelings that yeah. they feel, I feel good or I feel better, you know, at the end of it. I um, always give that gift. And when you were talking about being creative and that you feel that everybody is inherently creative, I've never felt that when I always think of the word creative and I've talked to my daughters about this is that I feel like I have to create something like artwork, you know, painting. And they're like, no, mom, you are creative. You just, it's not in that way that you express yourself. But in going back to what you're saying, the, the um, finger painting, mm -hmm. I, I love to color. And I think a lot of coloring books came out during COVID, right? right. Yep. Because it was yeah. so therapeutic. It absolutely is. Um, but I want to touch on something you said yeah. right there for a minute about, I think one of the most powerful things a person can do is to acknowledge their own creativity that they are like, think of what you're doing right here with this podcast. You've created an atmosphere where people can come and be inspired and empowered and listen to raw and real stories and walk away with hope or inspiration, you know, that you, you have intentionally created that. And so if you allow creativity to be creating atmospheres, creating safety, creating feelings for other people, um, creating delicious meals, it's, it's everything we do is an expression of creativity. But the difference for me is just shifting into intentional creation as a practice for, you know, mindfulness or wellness Finger painting can be an active meditation. It's just, it, there's so many good things about it. So in coaching others, somebody comes to you, they are, you know, overcoming grief, trauma, all of the things that we've discussed here today. Where would you take somebody? Take me through it just a little bit, how you would, the steps that you would take them through so they can use that as a way to heal because what I love that you do is you help people heal in this and get well through this nonverbal, through these nonverbal creations. Right. I haven't done as much focused work now because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, prior to that, uh, I was working with women in recovery specifically around this, and I was just sharing with them the journaling process and how to experiment and play with these materials. Um, but there's two types of journaling that I do with people. 
um, and that I suggest to people. One is the stream of consciousness free flow. Don't read it. Don't look at it. Um, that's just the outlet. And then the other is, I call them, and I think there are other people that do this, but I started doing this a couple of years ago and it's the I am statements. Um, the brain doesn't know the difference between a fake memory and a real memory. And so if you start embodying the type of person you want to be, um, I knew for me to step out and do it, create an online business, I had to be visible. I had to be okay being speaking in front of people. And I used to think I was a terrible speaker. So I am, you know, a compelling speaker. I am a brilliant business strategist. I am a world famous artist and I will write those and have the people that I've taught this, that do this diligently along with, with the other type of journaling and painting have such a shift in mindset and, you know, they come to everything they do. They show up. They want to show up more fully and more authentic, authentically. Um, and there's and so much power in that, you know, when we and can come and it comes from them, it comes from uh, them. And that's what I think is the most powerful thing, right? Absolutely. I think it's when you teach someone else how to intentionally carve out a safe space for themselves. Um, that is, is to honor their expression, their emotion. You know, sometimes I still have things that I think about that, that I beat myself up for, but if I can get that out and, you know, I love Brene Brown because she, she talks about the difference between shame and guilt and shame is so destructive. So, you know, that's why doing this regularly, um, one part of my business is selling my paintings, but really if I didn't sell a single painting ever again, I would probably continue painting and painting and painting and painting um, just for that cleansing and that relief. It's therapeutic. It's therapeutic. Um, and the other thing I, I want to mention on that is really if you think about drugs or you think about any kind of mind altering, mood altering, anything, um, it takes us to a place where time doesn't exist and the real world falls away, but there are healthy outlets that do that. And any type of creativity, creative expression, dancing, singing, music, painting, all of it. You know, I'm not out to convert everybody into painters, but I am an advocate for go get in that zone where time and space falls away and COVID disappears and the real world disappears and politics disappear and maybe something that you can't control that's that's ripping you up inside it disappears and there's relief for whatever amount of time that that you're able to do that. I completely agree with you and I think anybody who's gone through any kind of therapy uh, to get well again will find that whether it's working out whether it's, you know, which is what I do, but I also know that as now I'm a 61 year old woman, um, that I don't always want to push that masculine, um, energy forward. Right. So I've, you know, started doing ballroom dancing, taking ballroom dancing lessons. And that's another way for me to express myself. And I'm not getting over a trauma or trying to heal myself, but again, it's about, once we are, we're never done healing everything, right? Because once we are quote unquote healed, now we want to continue the recovery of feeling this beauty and joy and vibrancy and having that balance of 
I, I talk a lot about masculine and feminine energy just because lifting weights is such a masculine forward right. energy, right? right. Um, like you were doing with the rowing. So that feeling of, as we talked about, and I used working out as an example, you forget that you have the headache. You forget that you were in a bad mood or you had an argument with somebody while you're working out. And that during that workout, you don't realize it, but you are actually working through as you mm-hmm. are in painting or journaling, working through that thought process, right? Absolutely. Uh, when you give that left brain, left side of the brain a break and you engage that right brain, it gives, it's like hitting a giant reset button on, on the left brain and we're a predominantly left brain culture. Um, and that's why, you know, it's so important. I believe that, that creative expression at any in any form is such a critical tool for wellness, for healing. You know, I feel like I do it as maintenance now at this point right. and it, it allows me to be freer. I mean, I really, my ultimate goal is to live as uninhibitedly free a life as possible where I really, really continue shedding, caring what other people think and just step more and more into that authenticity. And I think that's why you and I connected so much. Absolutely. And I think it's hard sometimes to get rid of that noise, to forget that we don't care what other people say, because I think we always care a little bit about what people say, you know, during the break, right. You know, Aaron said, Jody, you always do a good show. Oh, that made me feel really good. You know, I didn't need him to say that, but it felt really good to have him say that or have people say that. And, um, but we don't necessarily, the difference is we don't necessarily need it anymore, but that's not to say, Aaron, you could say that after every show. So I appreciate that. Um, But what I, one of the things I loved when we were talking before was that you said that you want to live. I loved this so much, a radically honest life. So there's living in your truth. There's being authentic, authentic, but you said radically honest. And I love that because it was so strong. Yeah. Tell me like what that means to you. I think I, I needed it. I need it to be that strong, that radical honesty, radical truth, a radical commitment to honor myself no matter what. Um, because I never want to go back to a life where I feel like I'm spinning an illusion to be someone I'm not. And the artists I work with, you know, they say, well, you're, you're so, you, you really tell it how it is. Like I, I teach them a lot about art business and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, that still are not authentic and everything I do, I want it to be from the heart um, because that's the best best thing I can do to help other people around me. But that it takes that radical honesty. If there's anything I feel guilty or ashamed of, it's like sand in my shoe and I have to deal with it. Mm. So it's about confronting the things that don't feel good. Confronting that icky feeling when I have to say no to someone. And, you know, but every time I do, it's this relief and freedom on the other side of it. Relief and freedom and growth also. Right. Right. It's working that muscle you know, that Mm -hmm. muscle to advocate for yourself. And one of the things that you said was being able to say no now when you don't really want to do something, which leads me to ask you, what does it mean to be fearless and authentic? So to live a fearlessly authentic life, given what you've gone through and what you're, where you are in life right now. 
That radical honesty is a big piece of it. Um, Permission to fail forward, you know, to live so courageously and so in my truth that that fear of failure doesn't keep me paralyzed, doesn't keep me small. It's to allow myself to be too much of everything and cut out the people who, who can't, don't have that capacity. I realized it's not that I'm too much. It's that the people I surrounded myself with didn't, didn't understand the bigness of who I wanted to be. Um, that, that's really beautiful. And I think if everybody could live like that, they would be happier and could lie their head on their pillow every night saying that they did live fearlessly and they stayed authentic to who they are. And I wrote down permission to fall forward, to fail forward, to f- fail forward. Um, it's huge, it's huge. huge. You know, the faster we can get over the failures of learning something new, the, the faster we grow. And I really want to be the most me I can possibly be with my time here on earth because there's so many ideas. There's so many ways to help people. And I want to be able to have the energy to do them all. But um, it takes that, you know, you said it. For me, it's not just clean and sober from substance abuse. It's it's putting my head down on the pillow, clean, clear in my head, um, being able to sleep with without any ickiness, you know, that it, it's that radical commitment to to be honest in, in everything I do. Well, you are an absolutely beautiful human being. And I am so honored that I got to meet you and I'm going to cry, but I'm not going to cry. But it's just, you have touched my heart in everything that you've said today and in all of the conversations that we've had and to feel your energy when I met you in October in person. And then to see you here on the screen again, you've touched my heart. And I know that you will continue to be this beautiful, strong, radically honest, fearless and authentic woman and how can others reach you um, to find out more about what you do and how you can help them? Sure, absolutely. Everything, um, and thank you for saying all of that. You are such an inspiration and you know, a leader for, for all of us um, to live you know, authentic and fearless lives. So thank you. Mm, thank um, you. My tagline for everything right we, now is- Yeah, Jessica, we've got like five seconds. Jessica Hughes Fine Art on <laughs> okay. Instagram and web. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jess. I really appreciate it. Everybody have a wonderful day and go live a fearlessly authentic life. Until next week, I'll see you later. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.